This is In the Arena, the ultimate podcast on Maine politics, featuring former state senator and mayor of Portland, Democrat Ethan Strimling, former Republican state senator Bill Harriman, and TV news veteran and host Pat Callahan, with insight and analysis on political issues impacting Mainers. In the Arena starts now. Hello and welcome to the third episode of this second season of the In the Arena podcast produced by WMTW Channel 8. You can watch or listen to us anytime at WMTW.com with new episodes usually dropping every Thursday morning through, uh, though this week it's Tuesday is the day. We'll tell you about that in a minute. You can also find us on your favorite podcast platforms including Apple, Spotify, iHeart and Google by searching In the Arena Maine. I am your host, Pat Callahan. I've been a news anchor and reporter in Maine for more than 40 years. With me are our political analysts of many, many years, Phil Harriman, former Republican Good state morning. senator and town councilor from Yarmouth, and Ethan Strimling, a Democrat who has served in the Maine Senate and as mayor of Portland. So, welcome, gentlemen. Uh, anything going on in life that you got to get off your Super chest? Super Bowl yesterday, huh? Yeah. And could we talk about the biggest play of the game, the... Robert Kennedy ad for president. <laughs> oh my. Yeah. I know a little political. I couldn't believe it. I saw that ad and I was like, whoa. Yeah, if, if for those who haven't seen it, you can find it online, I'm sure. Yeah. But it's essentially a 1960 JFK campaign ad for president, and they've dropped in pictures of Robert Kennedy Jr. instead. Um, and it's the most ham-handed effort to cash in on somebody's, <laughs> someone else's glory I've ever seen. Yeah. Well, on top of that, I, can you imagine if you're Robert Kennedy looking at this seeing it for the first time and going, yeah. oh, my God, i got to call my family and apologize. Which he did do because he didn't have anything to do with the ad. It was run by a pack. He's running as an independent, not as a Democrat. And, uh, you know, I, honestly, my emotional response was, oh, this is so bad because it's going to help Donald Trump. From my perspective, you know, people, he's pulling people in. So very disappointing that yeah. he did it, but he did apologize. The, the other big surprise ad, and this is for the old timers, there was one with Perry Como singing. <laughs> there was. Well, you know, who, who in 2024 expected to have Perry Como on yeah. a Super Bowl ad? So Tiny bubble. Good for him. No, it was round and round. I Tiny, know, I know. Don Tiny, Ho, come oh, on. Oh, Don Ho, sorry, I always get those. Perry Como's a giant. Don't you dare disparage him. <laughs> well, we have a lot of political news to analyze, and that's why we're here a little bit early this week. Uh, every week, we begin by tackling a big issue in a little more depth. The Last week, the special process Prosecutor looking into Joe Biden's handling of classified documents after he left the vice presidency, uh, decided against charging him with any crimes while also saying that Biden is a, quote, well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. He also went out of his way to point out the stark differences between how Biden handled the situation and Donald Trump. We're going to dive into the impact that this may have on the presidential race and the differences and similarities between those cases. And then for our lightning round, we're going to do a little role play this week. In short, I'm going to ask Phil and Ethan to imagine they are the person having to make the call on a current issue, real or hypothetical, and I will ask, what would you do? I've got a feeling we might get some interesting results from this. I just, I just want to know, are you going to ask, does he have to play Joe Biden? I want to see him play Joe Biden. <laughs> Only if you get to do Trump. Uh, I'll do Trump. I'm all in on that. No problem. We're ready to get started. We will do that right after this brief pause. For our big topic this week on In the Arena, 
presidential politics. Last week, the special prosecutor looking into President Joe Biden's handling of classified documents after he left the office of the vice president decided against charging Biden with any crimes, saying he did not determine criminal intent or obstruction, but also saying that he didn't think a jury would ever convict President Biden. They would see him as a well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. This is what Biden had to say after hear, seeing that report. He came out with guns blazing. I'm well-meaning and I'm an elderly man and I know what the hell I'm doing. I've been president and I put this country back on its feet. Biden also went out of his way to point out the stark differences between how he handled the situation versus former President Trump's situation. I will say the report said this, and that led, of course, to Trump facing 40 criminal indictments for how he has handled classified documents. So, Phil, I'm going to start with you. First, how damaging is this report and those characterizations to Joe Biden? Does it help him? hurt him, or does it help Donald Trump? I, I think it's an affirmation of what America has already come to understand, that the president does have moments of memory uh, lapses. And uh, I think what we saw unfold was the inside of the White House is now well aware of what those of us outside of the White House have been observing. So yes, this is going to be difficult for him to overcome. But also, why bother speculating on what a jury might or might not do if you have determined there are no charges to bring. That's it, That seems a bit gratuitous to many. Yeah, and, and that's a great question because uh, this was a special prosecutor. He was appointed by the attorney general to determine whether there was an, a reason for an indictment or not. His rationale is there's a lot of information here that he shouldn't have had or used, uh, but we're not going to prosecute him because of his memory issues. What's your take, Ethan? Uh, yeah, it was gratuitous. And, uh, you know, I don't know what these Republican special counsels are doing. They did the same thing with Hillary Clinton. There's nothing here. There's no crime. There's no reason for us to move forward, but we're going to take a bunch of jabs. He's not a doctor, as many doctors have come out and said this was absurd for him to make an assessment based on five hours of interview to nitpick a couple of things that he forgot right after Israel had been attacked by Hamas. Uh, so that piece of it was very gratuitous and very unfortunate. You know, look, who among us doesn't forget things? But let's also be very clear. The headline from this report was he was demonstrating how different what Joe Biden did with these documents than what Donald Trump did, right? What Joe Biden did, careless. What Donald Trump did, criminal. And that's the fundamental difference that I hope the American people, I hope you, Phil, recognize that's the most important part here. Donald Trump's been indicted 40 times because he withheld and obstructed classified documents from the federal government. What did Joe Biden do? Same thing Mike Pence did. Was careless, should have turned him over sooner. Careless, they were in a garage, they were in a basement, well, unsecured, but, but, at least at Mar-a-Lago, they were, they were under lock and key and well, They were in his bathroom. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> and I mean, that was Phil, a, that's a, a public place, too. Yeah, yeah. I, wait a minute, Phil. You, are you actually considering, the, your Republican special counsel said what Donald Trump did, what he's accused of is criminal, what he did was not. So are you saying the special counsel was wrong in that? Are you equating these two situations? What I'm saying is that the special prosecutor has indicted Trump. Let's let this go to trial and determine whether he's guilty or not. The special prosecutor with Biden determined that he's not too criminal. feeble to uh, no. stand up no. in a trial. Therefore, he didn't He said prosecute. there was no nothing here. There was no criminal intent. That's why I'm not prosecuting. And he had this gratuitous comment. 
Creating false equivalence is what's wrong with American politics today. What Donald Trump has done led to 40 indictments. Let's stand up and say, you know what? This is national security. And this guy obstructed, tried to tell people to destroy cameras, and withheld documents after he was asked over and over again. That's very different than what Joe Biden was accused of and what this special prosecutor saw. Let's talk about the big picture of whether this negatively affects Joe Biden come November. First of all, that's a ways off. Have voters already made up their minds that, that he's too old or not too old to have the job? Does this change any of that? And we've also seen that Donald Trump has his own cognitive issues. He's, he's mistaken uh, Nikki Haley for Nancy yes. Pelosi. So mm -hmm. we see those things happening. Do these somehow cancel each other out? Well, I, look, I, I do think that they're both sort of, you know, in, in their late 70s, early 80s. I want to be very careful about being ageist towards either one of them, right? They're, they're both, I think, the American people are going to make a choice in those instances. And, you know, what one of the reports that we heard, again, Kevin McCarthy, who's negotiated with uh, Biden, said, you know, behind closed doors, the guy is very sharp. Yes, I know publicly I'm attacking him. So I don't think that there's anything Joe Biden can do to try to change what Republicans want because they want to avoid talking about the issues. So they're going to keep attacking him on this front for sure. Joe Biden's got to do a job, better job of trying to make sure that people understand he is altogether and he is on top of it. And how does he do that? It seems to me he needs to get out and do more interviews with reporters, have more lengthy press conferences. Or let fewer. The, well, <laughs> let, the chips, let the chips fall where they may, right? Doesn't he have to demonstrate to people with some regularity that I know what, what's going on here. I, I I'm agree, in charge here. I agree with you, Pat. I think the majority of Americans are concerned about his cognitive uh, abilities. And the only way he's going to overcome that is to get out in front of the, the, the microphones and the cameras and demonstrate. He, he missed an opportunity uh, before the Super Bowl. Why wouldn't you do that interview to speak to 100 million or more Americans? Yeah. Why didn't yeah. he do that? And th this, this strategy of trying to keep him away, I don't think is, is a, a well, wise one at all. Particularly now that this report is out there, he needs to come out and demonstrate, not through his words, but through his deeds, that he's I think sharp. He ha I think he has. And remember, he's going to be attacked no matter what. This has been a line of attack that's been going after him. But again, it's going to come down to, are you more concerned about his possible cognitive lapses versus Donald Trump's criminal behavior? And I think the American people in the end are going to say, criminal behavior is a little bit worse than the guy forgetting uh, uh, who the president of Mexico is versus the president of Egypt. But I'm sure the ads are already being made, Phil, oh, by yeah. Republican yeah. PACs and the no Trump doubt. campaign itself. Because right. when you read those quotes for the first time, you're thinking, wow. Yeah. This is a sword they have given to right. the Republicans. That's like the the John Kerry. I was for the war before I was against it. That's the well, and it was except like John Kerry said that this one well, was something but said it, by but a Republican it, prosecutor. It was it was like Jim Comey did uh, with Hillary exactly. Clinton. That and, was my point. Uh, very similar in that oh we can't charge you, but boy was she bad. Right, you, I, you know? know it's so inappropriate. But Comey wasn't a prosecutor. He wasn't no. there appointed by no. the Department of Justice to determine no, whether there was he, criminal activity. Yes, he was. He was determining whether or not Hillary Clinton, there should be criminal charges against Hillary yeah, he, Clinton. He wasn't a special prosecutor, but he but was, he was the doing the, the same thing that this special prosecutor did, and he did the same thing that this one did. He just, he's like, yeah, there's no criminal behavior here, but I want to justify all this work I did and say, oh, what they did was bad, or in this special, pro he couldn't even say what Biden did was bad. He simply said, oh, he forgot a couple dates. No, okay. The, this, this, is not, this is not going well, away. We're not going to resolve this this morning. We are, however, going to have our lightning round coming up next on In the Arena.
This week for our lightning round in the arena, we're going to do something a little different. I'm going to throw out uh, topics and ask each of our analysts, what would you do if you were in the shoes of a policymaker or a politician? Uh, these are going to be a little longer than usual. I'll, I'll ask you to put yourselves in the shoes of these people and not be Ethan or Phil. Be the person we're talking about. That makes sense. It's going to be a stretch for us to pretend like we're politicians. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've never done that before. Good, good thought. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, Phil. We're going to start with you. Okay. Let's pretend you are former United Nations Ambassador Nikki Haley. You look Thank great you. in the pumps, by the way. Thank you. Uh, you lose South Carolina this coming weekend by double digits, as many polls currently suggest may happen. Do you remain on the ballot through the main primary, which happens on March 5th, which is Super Tuesday? Uh, or do you not remain in the race that long if, if you get in your own home state, get knocked out? I think that's the key piece. Uh, in your own home state, you lose by double digits. I think it's time to say uh, it was an honor to run and it's not my time. And thank you very much. And perhaps be ready at the convention if Ethan is correct that Trump's going to get found guilty of some crime. Maybe she can get the nomination at the convention. Or do you continue your strategy of nettling Donald Trump as Nikki Haley? Oh, does, I think she know? can continue to do that without being a candidate. You know, I, I think that's probably right. I, you know, in the sense of putting her party first and kind of putting unity, I think she would have to get out if she loses double digits. I would love her to stay in because I think it would be great for her to continue, you know, sort of putting country first and continue to give people an alternative to Donald Trump. I think it's a great idea. But I think you're right. She's going to have to get out. Ethan, it's your turn. You are Representative Jared Golden, even though you oh. do not have a lumberjack right. shirt on yeah, I don't, or I don't. sufficient tattoos. Yes. Uh, How the, do you know I don't have sufficient tattoos? Well, that's true. I don't. <laughs> I haven't seen you in the sleeveless yeah, stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so but um, I'll, we'll, we'll put that, that one aside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, national pollsters have just downgraded your race from a lean Democratic, meaning you had a better than 50-50 shot at winning re-election, to toss-up, meaning essentially your chances are no better than a coin flip. Uh, what do you do about that? Well, I, I would say the first thing I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to shore up my base. One of the reasons that he is now a toss-up, that he's sort of falling behind, is because Democrats are very disappointed with him, and he's lost support among Democrats when you look at the polls. That's where his favorables have dropped because he's been doing too much of trying to appeal to Donald Trump's base. So the first thing I think he has to do is shore up his base among, or I would have to do as him is shore up my base. You know, and just last week, unfortunately, he came out and endorsed Larry Hogan for U.S. Senate, uh, who's a Republican. And this was not a very good thing to do for your base and not a good thing to do for the Democratic Party to like him. So that for me is step number one. Get to my base, let them know I'm, I'm going to be a Democrat, I am a Democrat, and why. And don't you also have to sell your message about why you changed your mind on assault weapons? You do, and I think that may be some of what's shifted him, but some of this loss of support happened even before that for him, because during the summer, you know, he took a lot of votes in which he voted against Joe Biden's platform. So, yes, I think you do have to explain that, and that might help you. Do Democrats stay home? Rather, I mean, they're unlikely to vote for the Republican nominee, which we, is most likely going to be Austin Terrio. Well, I, I don't think Democrats will stay home. Uh, I think they won't be very excited to help him, but independents who lean Democratic are definitely pro are looking for something else in May. Power of the incumbency is how he's going to overcome that. Uh, ramp up the constituent work, make sure you get your feet on the ground as many places in the second district as you can and let people know that you're connected to them. 
All right. And raise the millions of dollars he's already <laughs> well, raised. Well, yeah, that, that doesn't yeah. hurt. Yeah, exactly. The incumbency has its benefits. Yeah. Uh, Phil, Susan Collins was one of just four Republicans in the U.S. Senate to vote for that compromise border bill after Donald Trump told Republicans, you got to vote against this. It's a bad bill. That compromise, mind you, was negotiated, including Republican leaders, as their requirement to give foreign aid to Ukraine and to Israel. If you were Susan Collins, is and someone who has been a lifelong member of the Republican Party, respects the party, and, and wants to do the old-fashioned thing, is it time for her Margaret Chase Smith moment to condemn Donald Trump and the direction the Republican Party has gone? I think it's her time to have her Margaret Chase Smith moment, but not directed at Trump, directed at the legislative process. For more than a decade now, Congress has not done its job legislating. They make deals behind closed doors. They bring out these big, uh, you know, complicated bills and say, vote for it or not, or the country is going to uh, go into a shutdown. It's time for Congress to legislate. They've stopped doing that for quite some time. And But what would the significance of her speech be? I mean, getting up and complaining about what the Senate is. She's a senator, so doesn't that make her look a little bit? I well, mean, uh, as you know, as well as I, what goes on behind closed doors is run by mm -hmm. legislative leadership. But, but if they're taking marching orders from Donald Trump, which it appears they are, they're listening to what he says, is, is it up to her to say, this is not the guy to follow. He is not the president. We have leadership right. now. We all made this deal. Let's get some work done. Uh, I think her action speaks louder than the words. She voted for the immigration mm -hmm. bill. She's not listening to Donald Trump. She's already announced that she's not endorsing him. Uh, I go back to what I said. Congress has usurped their constitutional power to behind the closed doors deals. I, you know, just real quick, I, I would think if she gives that speech, a way to have her actions speak louder than words would be to now say, I am going to vote for um, filibuster reform, to say I'm going to force this body to start doing its work. Ethan, uh, you get to be Governor Janet Mills now. All right. Uh, as you know, Oxford County commissioners have asked uh, the governor to remove the sheriff because he sold guns in county possession without getting permission from the original owners and used the proceeds to get credit for firearms for his department. Would you remove the sheriff? The process has begun. The process has begun. Um, based on what I know now, I would not, actually. I, I he, Clearly what he did, he should not have done, but it was not for personal gain. It doesn't appear he did it um, to raise money. These were guns that were sitting around for a long time. And he's been elected. And I have a general, you know, a very strong feeling about the importance of allowing the electorate to make decisions. If there's criminal behavior that justifies removal, but the fact that the commissioners don't like that he did this and he didn't file the right paperwork, that to me is not enough reason to remove an elected official from office. Yeah, I, I compliment Governor Mills. She has the power to take the recommendation from the county commissioners and remove him. And what she did instead was to appoint an administrative hearing officer and let the facts on both sides of the conversation uh, come out, uh, as Shanabello should have done, in my opinion, with President Trump. She did. We had an eight-hour hearing. I was there. <laughs> I lost some yeah. hair. We're not yeah. going to relitigate baseball, that. baseball, you yeah. think? <laughs> uh, your turn to be a Democrat, Phil. Okay. Uh, now, <laughs> State Senator David LaFountain of Winslow is not well known. Most people probably mm. have not heard of him unless you're in that town. Uh, but he was the tie-breaking vote on a bill to prohibit any paramilitary activity in Maine that's intended to cause a violent public disturbance. Now, the vote 6-6 six, six out of committee, so you need a tiebreaker. If you were Senator LaFountain, how would you vote? Uh, I would go in and vote probably yes, 
and then ask, because you're voting on the prevailing side, this is a little complicated parliamentary procedure, uh, but if you're voting on the, the prevailing side, you can ask for reconsideration, get it back in the committee and fix whatever is wrong with that. I'm surprised that bill came out so uh, evenly divided. I, I mean, I'm not surprised. I, I think there is a pretty big divide in terms of how, you know, the, unfortunately, right now within the MAGA party, a lot of the supporters who have been part of these militias, neo-Nazi groups, et cetera, are within those ranks. I'm not saying they're majority at all, but um, I was disappointed that there was a divide. I wish Republicans in that committee had said, here's what we can support, but um, I hope that LaFountain votes yes. All right. Our final one, Ethan, you get to be John Martin. Legendary former speaker of the Maine House of Maine. Uh, An honor. And the, the keeper of institutional memory, uh, but he has been out of office for a couple of years. Uh, but he has declared he is running for his old House seat. So I'm asking you, John Martin, mm. why can't you got retired guys stay retired? <laughs> What's wrong with these people know, like me? Look, if I were John Martin, I would run again because that's pretty much what John Martin does. But if I were Ethan Strimling and I'm 82, I hope I don't decide to run again. So. We but. do as well. No, no, no one is at all. <laughs> Thank let's you, put it this Thank way. Nobody, nobody is surprised by this particular nobody development. John Martin served in the legislature when my grandfather <laughs> was in the House of Representatives, 1964. <laughs> wow. All right. We're going to be back to wrap things up right after this. This is what Ethan and Phil like to call story time with Pat. Mm -hmm. uh, when one yes. covers politics for more than four decades in Maine and New Hampshire, you run into some interesting characters along the way. I would begin by asking you a question. Who won the Maine Democratic Presidential Caucuses in 1992? Jerry Brown. Jerry Brown. He, he edged out Paul Songus. A guy mm. named Bill Clinton from Arkansas, who no one's ever heard of mm. since, finished a distant third. I don't know what happened to him. Uh, yes, California, former California Governor Jerry Brown, a guy who served in the 70s as governor and then in the 2010s as governor and has had all kinds of jobs since. So he obviously is serious about public service, but people have always viewed him as kind of weird. Uh, they think, oh, the lefty from the left coast. Well, the Moonbat. Moon yeah, bat. Governor Moonbat, yeah. some people call yeah. him. But he dated Linda Ronstadt, so he gets a lot of points <laughs> for that. Well, I was doing an interview with him uh, in 1992, and we uh, had set up as we're waiting to get started. He pulls out of his pocket a little nasal inhaler, a little spray bottle, and squirts into both nostrils. And he looks at me, he said, oh, it's saline solution. It's really great. It's like diving through a wave in the morning, and it just really clears your head out. And he holds it out and says, you want to try it? I, that's a nice gesture, but no, thanks. No. I, I don't know you that well. I didn't say that to him. That's what's going through my head. But it was just one of those little moments that said, he's an unusual guy. You know, that's, that's all there is to it. Again, it's not a knock on him. It's just kind of odd behavior. It's kind of California, isn't it? Well, that's going to do it for episode three of our second season of In the Arena, produced at WMTW Studios. We'll be back next week with episode four of our eight-episode season. You can see all of the episodes of In the Arena on WMTW.com, or you can subscribe and listen on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, and Google Podcasts. Just type in In the Arena Maine, and it'll pop up. Nice gold logo with our <laughs> pictures on it. You can't miss it. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next time.